Welcome to Thrive Lathrop Podcast. Here at our church, we believe that everyone can thrive. Make sure to subscribe to our channel and enjoy this life-changing message. Amen, amen, amen. Can you give Jesus a big praise in the house today? Yes. Praise God, and we welcome you here in person. Can you welcome everyone who's watching online this morning? We welcome you online. Glad you're with us wherever you are. God is good. Oh, oh geez. Let's have an altar call right now. That might have been good enough for today. Let's try it. And all the time, he really is. And that's why we're happy. It's not just the coffee. It's not just the great worship, it's because God is good. Before I get into the word, and you can begin to turn in your Bibles to Joshua chapter 8, I want to just acknowledge the fact that um, while Lori and I were in Washington celebrating my first daughter's college graduation, we had an amazing Mother's Day. Pastor Chris preached a great message. Vanessa had the kids' uh, area on point. Can we just thank everyone who made it Mother's Day a great day? It was awesome. And also, yesterday, I came. I wasn't supposed to come. I sneaked in, and I talked like this. (laughs) And I fooled everyone, and I got in for a minute into the Women's Breathe Conference. Sister Lori and her team knocked it out of the park. It was a powerful women's event. It was a blast. I mean, I wasn't even here long. I heard the food was awesome. The speakers were great. The presence of God was strong. And so just we celebrate our Thrive Ladies ministry team and all that they do. And they have groups that are launching. So if you're a lady, make sure you look for those groups because groups are important. Everyone say, better together. We are better together. This is the first Sunday we are launching our summer groups. Now, Now, someone say, tell me more. Okay, so usually summer is like kind of a kind of a downtime because people are traveling and running and and we don't typically have so many groups. We have over 40 groups to offer you here this summer at Thrive. Come on, come on, celebrate. So, so we're happy about that. Make sure you get plugged in. Even if you're going to travel and miss a couple, don't, don't miss the whole session. Um, it's worth it to connect with people, to learn more of the word, um, and to grow together. Amen? Amen? And then finally, at the end of the service today, we will be celebrating Holy Communion. So we'll be doing that here in person. If you're online um, and you'd like to partake with us, if you just get some bread, maybe juice or water, Two elements, one representing the body of Christ, one representing his blood. And together we're going to bless it and we're going to partake. Amen? Amen. Would you stand for the reading of of God's word this morning? As we continue to journey through the book of Joshua, we stand for the reading of the word as a public display of the preeminence the word should have in our lives. If the president walked in the room, we would stand in honor of his position. And so we stand in honor of the truth of God's word. Just as our president, there is not a person who has more power than him in our nation. The word should have ultimate power or authority with with regards to truth. And it doesn't matter who calls. 
The word of God is the ultimate authority. Joshua chapter 8, verses 1, and we will read through verse 8. Then the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. Take the whole army with you and go up and attack Ai. For I have delivered into your hands the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. You shall do to Ai and its king as you did to Jericho and its king, except that you may carry off their plunder and livestock for yourselves. Set an ambush behind the city. So Joshua and the whole army moved out to attack Ai. He chose 30,000 of his best fighting men and sent them out at night with these orders. Listen carefully. You are to set an ambush behind this city. Don't go very far from it. All of you must be on alert. I and all those with me will advance on the city. And when the men come out against us as they did before, we will flee from them. They will pursue us until we have lured them away from the city. For they will say they are running away from us as they did before. So when you flee from them, you are to rise up from the ambush and take the city. The Lord your God will give it into your hand. When you have taken the city, set it on fire. Do what the Lord has commanded. See to it. Read those last four words with me. You have my orders. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. been a couple of weeks, but just to kind of set the, set the scene, Joshua and the people of Israel had experienced a great success at Jericho. However, it turns out that in the process of that success, there had been Achan, a man named Achan, who had decided to take matters into his own hands and take for himself things that did not belong to him. The story of all mankind. Can I get a witness? Taking what doesn't belong to you. We know, no one has to teach us that. Just look at a two-year-old. Say, mine. It's, he looks at your Big Mac. And he says, mine. Your wallet. They might know something you don't know. And your little girl says, mine. No one has to teach us to take what isn't ours. Achan should have known better. He had experienced, as all the people of Israel had, the miraculous intervention of God. He wouldn't be alive if not for the intervention of God. He wouldn't have been there if not for God's saving power. And the expectations were clear. I'm going to give you this city, but you can't take any of the treasures for yourself. He should have trusted God. He'd seen God do amazing things. But his desire for his own possession, security, power, overcame his fear of the Lord. Are you with me? As a result, the next town, little town, a small town, no fortified walls, still a military outpost, but a small town set on a hill. Strategic militarily because of its elevation. It's having the high ground. But 
those spies that came back after their reconnaissance recognized it's a small town. We don't have to send everybody. Well, that small town defeated the army of Israel. And Joshua, although they only lost a few men, he understood that he had lost more than some 30-odd men. He had lost the favor of God. You following me? This is crucial for our walk. Some of us are waiting for the whole ground to move in order to repent. And we're not realizing we're losing the grace of God. We're losing the favor of God. Things aren't going as easily as they should. We're losing our temper more quickly. We're giving in to temptation more often. And that, those temptations, that sin is creeping into our relationships. They're small skirmishes, not great losses. But we're not recognizing that we're losing the grace of God. Joshua, credit to him, realized something tragic is happening. And he comes to the Lord and the Lord lets him know there's sin in the camp. Someone has taken what doesn't belong to him and hidden it in his tent. They discover that it's this man Achan and they destroy him and his household. They eradicate the problem. And now is the opportunity that Joshua and Israel has that we all have. And that is this. What do we do with failure? Failure does not have to be final. Failure need not be final. Now I want to talk about this because all of us will fail in one way or another. There is no one perfect except Christ. How do we deal with failure? And in a, in a day when, uh, not a day, it's been a while. I remember being in high school when Jimmy Swagger, a powerful preacher, a powerful pastor, a, a powerful minister, without a doubt called by God, failed miserably in his morality. And over the last 30 years, others have, until most recently, a pastor named Carl Lentz or an apologist named Ravi Zacharias, we discover after, after Ravi's death that he had a major sexual addiction. He'd been unfaithful to his wife, though without a doubt called by God and productive in ministry. What do we do when our heroes fail? What do we do when those men and women that we counted on to help forge a way let us down? I think it's a, 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 if, if nothing else, we have got to remember to never set our eyes on a man or a woman. We're messengers of the gospel. We're not the savior of the world. That's one, and that's an important one, because I really don't have patience. As much as I have, have great uh, disdain for the actions of these people that have failed and, 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 and caused pain on the church of Christ in general, and their, perhaps if they were pastors, their church in particular, it's, it's, it's grievous and tragic. But I really don't have much patience for those who, because of those men's and women's failures, they leave God. that they would hate the church. The church has never been perfect because it's full of people. 
The more people you got, the more issues you got. That's why we got tissues. We got tissues for your issues. Come on, somebody. I got a whole box in my office. I'm the king of tissues. But so let us not put our eyes on man. Respect the office and the ministry, but don't put your faith or confidence in them. Second, beware of yourself. Take care of yourself. Be alert, be vigilant, be aggressive, be assertive. Don't allow any incursions on the border of your morality. Stay honest before God. Stay innocent before God. Drop the presumption. Drop the pride. A gift that the Lord has given me is I grew up in church. I ain't impressed by how long anybody's been in church. I've been in church my whole life. It's not how high you jump in church. It's how straight you walk after you land. It's how well and how much you bless instead of curse when the pressure comes. That's how judicious and sagacious and sensitive you are with your influence. So as not not to hurt people, but to bless people. Are you with me? So what do we do when we fail? Because we're going to fail. We're going to fail. What do we do when we fail? I think we can learn a few things here from Joshua and this encounter with AI. The first is failure isn't final. Verse one, the Lord said to Joshua, read it with me. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. To the person who has failed and failed and failed and maybe most, most dramatically and spectacularly failed recently. Your failure does not have to be the death knell of your spiritual life, of your family life, of your personal life. The devil is a liar. He wants to count you out as if you fight alone. If it was just you in the ring with the devil, I'd do your funeral today. But it isn't just you and the devil in the ring. It is you and the Lord of hosts in your corner that is fighting on your behalf. It was never going to be Joshua nor the people of Israel that was going to win one battle. And AI proved it. If it was just up to Joshua's military expertise or the the, the strength of their armed forces, they would have walked through AI without a hiccup. But it isn't that. It's that every battle worth winning is fought by him through us. And without him, you'll never know what hits you. Failure need not be final. And for every one of us who has children, every one of us who has influence at work, any one of us who has family who has yet to come to Christ, you don't just fight for yourself. You fight for others. And we need to have a fighting spirit. 
We need to take God at his word. We stand for it, but do we believe it? We have to believe that his mercies are new every morning. That he takes our sin and takes it from us as far as the east is from the west. He separates it from us. That we are now no longer condemned. Not because of how hard you fight, because, but because we have a, a savior who won every one of your battles before you were born. He finished it when he rose from the dead. That's why you win. You don't win because you're cute. I can't even tell if you're cute. You got masks on. You don't win because you're smart. Look, if anyone here who's intellectually arrogant, calm down. There's a 14-year-old smarter than you. It isn't how well connected you are. There's all kinds of political and familial things that go on in business. Mm-mm. You win because you're on the side of the Lord. And can I just tell you one more thing? This is for free. You don't want to win a battle he doesn't win for you. You ever regretted something you got that you wanted so bad? And then once you get it, you're wondering, what in the heck am I doing with this? The armor doesn't fit. It doesn't work for you. It's not for you. You don't want to win a battle he doesn't win for you. And what the world perceives that loss as loss doesn't matter, shouldn't matter. What your cousins consider loss in your life can't matter, shouldn't matter. It should be, Father, your will be done, not mine. Failure does not have to be final. See, God tells Joshua to not be afraid and to not be discouraged because he has more for Joshua and the people of Israel. You have to believe that for you. Second, is that we have to learn to fail forward. If you're gonna fail, fail forward. What do I mean by that? Verse one, the Lord said to Joshua, do not be afraid, do not be discouraged. Take the whole army with you and go up and attack Ai. For I have delivered into your hands the king of Ai, his people, his city, and his land. What God wants Joshua to learn is from the experience how to move forward from it. Don't camp out here long. In fact, he says, Joshua, get up in the previous chapter. Get up. So there's a time to grieve, and there's a time to get up and move. We have to learn to fail forward. How do we do that? How do we fail forward? I want to give you five principles that I believe are important for failing forward. The first one is this. Recognize your failing. Recognize it. The world wants to color your eyes or give you a new idea of what success is. We as believers have got to be convicted and convinced that winning only matters as it brings glory to God. You can surround yourself with possessions like Achan, 
but you're going to die. You can put your confidence in the things you can grasp, but you're going to die. You can, you, can, you can pretend like nobody knows what you're up to, like you're succeeding and getting away with something. Like when Achan put the treasure in the ground in his tent, but you're going to die. We as believers, sons and daughters of Christ, have to be convinced that the only way that I can win is to win his way. Everything else is failing. Don't settle with, with, I'm not that bad. Come on, American Christian. With our Big Macs and our cell phones and our ice cubes and our air conditioning. I feel like revival's breaking out because I love all those things. But as American Christians, we don't hardly want for anything. Right now, people are getting paid more to stay home than go to work. That's how wealthy our nation is. I'm not saying it's okay. But that's how wealthy our nation is. So we have got to let the truth settle in and recognize, when am I failing? Don't buy the lie of the world. That's why we, we, we always say the word of God is a mirror. Don't compare yourself to me. Of course you're skinnier. Don't, don't do that. You ain't exactly winning. If we're in a race, you might win. <laughs> but, but we both going to lose against like a dachshund or something that jumps in the race. Like just because you and mean beat me in a race don't mean you're fast. Can't compare ourselves to one another. We compare ourselves to the word. So we can recognize when we're failing because, because life is hard and Christianity, living it is, is a cross. It's, it's bearing a cross. It's not Disneyland. God doesn't promise us happiness. He promises meaningfulness, significance, joy that comes from purpose, eternal purpose, knowing that after this life with its suffering and struggle is over, I get a heavenly reward. Heaven is our reward, not this life. The joy of the Lord is our strength, not your happiness. The joy of the Lord reminds me of when Jacob wrestled with God. Jacob wrestled with God. Now, Jacob had a life of failure. Jacob struggled with who he was and how to comport himself and how to do this life his whole life. He's got Esau. He's afraid of his older brother Esau because he stole his blessing. It's a long story. Read it in Genesis in the 30s. And he's going to go meet with Esau. Now, God has begun to reveal himself through dreams and work in him. And then he's asleep. His family's gone ahead of him. He's asleep on a hill in a place. And a man shows up and they wrestle and they wrestle and they wrestle. In the fight, in the fight, Jacob recognizes this is not an ordinary man. They fight, they fight, they fight till daybreak. And, 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 and it, the angel of the Lord, or a Christophany, it was Christ, a, 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 a first, one of the first looks of Christ himself, many biblical scholars believe this. Wrestling with him, wrestling with him till daybreak. And finally, the Lord tells Jacob, let me go. And Jacob says, I won't till you bless me. 
And then the Lord asked Jacob this question. What is your name? Why does the Lord ask Jacob his name? The Lord knows his name. He wants to know if Jacob will admit who he is. The last time Jacob was asked, who is this? He said, Esau, to his blind, dying father, to get a, a, an illegitimate blessing. He wants a real blessing. And the Lord wants to know, how bad do you want it? Is it enough to wrestle with me? You got to admit who you are. And he says, I am Jacob. And the Lord says, I call you Israel. Israel. He did two things. He renamed him. And then it says he touched his hip. And he wrenched his hip and he walked away from that encounter with a new name and a limp. Now, what does Israel mean? Israel means Yisrael in Hebrew. Literally means to contend with God, to struggle with God. He, get this. God calls his people Israel. His people Israel, the one who contends with me. Why? The one who struggles with me. Why? Why would God call his people the people who struggle with him? It wasn't a struggle to resist. Jacob wasn't struggling to get away. He was struggling to keep him close. God calls his people those who struggle to keep me close. Those who fight the fight and battle their flesh and get up after they've fallen and pour themselves out till daybreak and won't let me go despite their history, despite their shame, despite the fear of revenge that Esau, was gonna, that Esau could have had on him, despite their, their, their personal legacy of failure, they, re, they refuse to let me go. Jesus. Fail forward. Admit who we are. Admit our past. You know what's so cool? A friend of mine, I was talking to him about this, and, and he said, you know, someone who's had a real encounter with God doesn't just talk differently, but walks differently. Because it says that Jacob walked away with a limp. And then in Hebrews, during, in the Hall of Faith, when it mentions Jacob, it says he's leaning on his staff. He still has a limp. Till the end of our days, we need to walk differently. Admit who we are. Are you with me? Admit who you are. Recognize your failing. Number two, approach God with faith. When you fail, admit it. And then come to him. Someone say, get close. Approaching God means that we have the faith. The faith that God is there. The faith that God will accept me, will receive me. The faith that God is a God of mercy, that he is holy and merciful. After we fail, we need to listen. Someone say listen. We need to listen to the conviction and repent. This is how you fail forward. Acknowledge I'm failing. 
Go to God and then listen to the conviction. Listen to the convicting voice of the Holy Spirit and repent. You were going this way. You stopped going that way. You go the other way. I, I'm so easily given to these things. I'm going to resist and I'm going to go the other way. From being angry or being jealous, I'm going to turn. I'm going to, I'm going to ask God to give me a new heart. I'm going to work. Someone say work. I'm going to work at being merciful and happy for others. Listen to the conviction. Listen to the conviction. Don't get cold. Don't get hard-hearted. Listen, be soft, be teachable. Jesus said that the kingdom of heaven is for such of these little children. Children are teachable, impressionable, a little crazy, a little wild. They eat dirt. They pick their nose. They say the wrong things. Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is for such as these. Why? They're teachable. They're still in awe of God. His character, His mercy, and His power. Fourth is listen to the redemption and get up. Accept that He forgives you. Accept that the sacrifice of Christ on the cross is enough to cancel out your debts. That's what redeemed means. He bought you with a price. He paid the price to cover your offenses. That which you cannot do for yourself. You can spend your whole life trying to make things up and come up short. It's not enough. That's why God died. Not a man, not a woman. God died. Listen to the redemption. Accept it. Be in awe of it. Love it. Cherish it. And get up. And the fifth step is to surrender. Surrender to the will of God. I'm going to end with this. Surrender to the will of God. God tells Joshua, when you have taken the city, set it on fire. Do what the Lord has commanded. See to it, you have my orders. God has this great exchange Here we see it in this verse. It happens all throughout scripture. And he offers it to us. He gives you eternal peace. He gives you mercy every morning. He gives you provision. He gives you hope. The exchange is we give him our will. We echo the prayer of Christ. Not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. I prayed yesterday on the phone with a dear sister of our church whose son is gravely ill, 52 years old, and fighting for his life with an unusual illness. First thing she told me on the phone, Pastor Eric, we just want God's will. It's a woman of faith. It's a woman of faith. For a mother to pray that the Lord, with tears, we prayed on the phone, God, heal him, God, touch his his brain, Lord, reduce the swelling, Lord, reduce the infection, bring him back from the brink, Lord God, you can do it, you've done it before, you can do it again, and to hear her with pain and anguish, a mother, she's mothered him, she's cared for him for 52 years and nine months, 
That's her boy. But to hear her agree, not my will, but yours be done. It's the great exchange. See, my sister has learned from years of walking with God, it is better, it is better to give up one's will for the will of the Lord. And this is how you fail forward. You can't stay entrenched in your will. You gotta do the great exchange. Would you stand with me as we prepare for the Lord's table? Those at home, if you want to gather your elements and partake with us, I'm going to give you a moment here to prepare your hearts as the worship team leads us, and we'll partake of the elements in just a moment. Remember the punishment that belonged to you and I laid upon him. 
innocent condemned on behalf of us, the guilty. He bore our stripes. That crown of thorns belonged on our heads. That spear in our sides. Those nails, our hands. They belong to our feet. We're the ones guilty. Honor him. The Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. Honor him, honor him, honor him, revere him. God himself on our behalf. We remember his body broken and bruised, torn. The punishment of our transgressions placed on his mortal body. Lord, we thank you for your suffering. We thank you for taking upon yourself, Lord, that which belonged to us. And we remember you today. Let us take the bread, symbol of the body of Christ. And Lord, we consider your blood poured out. Without the shedding of blood, there could be no remission of sin. It's your blood, the power of your blood that washes away our trespasses. It's what allows us to get up with that every morning with, with our heads upheld, held up high. Not in our achievement, but in your achievement, in your work. We thank you for your blood that has washed away our sin and will always wash away our sin. We do not take your blood lightly. We repent. Lord, we redevote ourselves. It is, this is not a cheap grace. Lord, we take it solemnly. We understand its worth. We ask for you, your Spirit's help to not put you to shame, but to walk in obedience. Let us take the cup, symbol of the blood of Christ.
for your son. And thank you, Lord Jesus, for your sacrifice and your work. Thank you for giving us the Holy Spirit. Spirit of God, we ask you to fill us with resiliency and resolve. We repent, we repent of our failures. We acknowledge that we are sinners. We will charade no longer. We will pretend no longer. Lord, we will not stand on our own virtues. They are like filthy rags. We recognize how desperately we need you. And like Jacob, we are willing to wrestle to keep you close. We're willing, Father, because we know only you have the blessing that we need the strength, the power, the grace, the favor that we need. Lord, as Joshua learned that we would not take sin lightly, that we would not rest in our own strength and consider the issues of our life like little AIs that we can easily walk through. I pray, Father God, that we would protect the margins of our life, that we would, Lord, desperately desire your grace and favor. Teach us, Lord, how to fail forward. Thank you that your mercies are on you every morning. Help us, Lord, to get up and walk in the destiny you have for each one of us. And let it be all for your glory all for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Can you praise the Lord, Drive? At home, give the Lord a praise. Amen. Amen. God is good. And all the time. Amen. God bless you. Have a beautiful week. Sign up for a group and we'll see you next Sunday. Thank you again for tuning into our podcast. For more info, please visit our website at thrivelathrop.com. Have an amazing rest of your week.